incredible to stop and think for just a moment about this, that the story you just watched is true. In fact, the little girl that played Maya actually had that story. It's hard to fathom pain of that nature in this world. It's the kind of pain that we, we turn our eye, we turn our head from, we turn a deaf ear to, we ignore. And the ironic and the interesting thing about that is that we do the same thing in our own lives too. We try to turn our head when we look in the mirror from our own pain that we're carrying. We try to turn a deaf ear to the voices that pop up of that pain deep within our soul, the voices that pop in when like night comes and you lay your head in your pillow and you begin to think. And the beautiful thing is in the same note that we get to be part of a movement. Stop and think, we get to be part of a movement where a little girl gets to write a letter back to her little baby brother. Says that things kind of went sideways, things didn't go as they planned, but I was rescued. My life's being transformed. That we get to be part of that. And inside of that, the reason we're showing you this is twofold. One, that's one of our global partners, Nepal. That's one of the several global partners that we, Kensington, is an incredible group of people. There's tens of thousands of people across metro campus areas today and even up in Traverse City and even down in Orlando and church plant partners all around. We get to celebrate and be reminded that we're part of that kind of power in this world, that we get to be part of those stories, that you, if you're part of this place and you're giving and you're connected, that you get to be part of that story. That's part of your story. For those of you that are new and you're visiting and just checking us out, this is the kind of story that we want to be part of, God's stories. God's stories where he steps in people's lives in the worst moment of pain and he transforms them and he rescues them. And today we want to talk about this idea of pain. This whole theme of the backwards way, that's a big deal. This idea of a backwards way, saying things go in reverse, and the gospel does that. It takes things and it puts them in reverse. It says that instead of hiding your pain, that God can actually use your pain for something great. God can actually transform your pain into something powerful. It's interesting this time of the year, right? It's one of those deals where it's the most wonderful, what, right? You don't want to hear me sing, so finish it with me. Most wonderful time of the year. There you guys go. Aren't you wondering, like, why doesn't he sing more on stage? I just answered it. <laughs> it's not just that, though, right? It's saying the bigger part, too. It's saying this bigger part that some of us, it's the most painful time of the year. For some of us, this time of the year brings up the reality that we've lost loved ones we care about. For some of us, it brings up reality of a cold weather and this longer winter, and it brings in this companion that we want to go away of depression. For some of us, for whatever reason, as we think of family connections and ties, we see others together and we think of our own family broken ties and mismatched connections. For some of us, it's a season of desperation, wanting to know that is there really magic in Christmas? Can there really be hope? Is there really truth of the Savior, Jesus? Does he have the power to transform not just lives there, right, in Nepal, but here? And stop and think about this. Then in Nepal, it's an Eastern culture, and there's a developing country. Here in Western culture, it's very developed. It's technological advances. There's fast food at every corner. There's entertainment. There's all these things at our fingertips, and yet we find ourselves in pain, feeling empty. There's a statement that we say around here is to never underestimate the pain in the room. I don't ever, and I mean ever, take for granted the amount of pain that walks through our doors. Right now, some of you are sitting here, and you have pain. You have hurt. 
and you're bearing it in because you're not sure what to do with it. Cody Wilson, Dave's son over at Aurora Campus, great guy, I love him. And he had known that slogan, we say it here a lot, but he said this other portion of it. He says, more importantly, he thought this is the more important part, and I agree with it. It's not to ignore the pain that walks through the room. It's not to ignore your pain. Your pain matters to us. We love you. We're glad you're here. We're glad that you walk through the doors with it. But here's what we want to tell you. More importantly, never underestimate the power of Jesus to transform that pain into something powerful. And that's where we're going today, and that's what we're talking about. And that same power that we saw transform this little girl's life, and you're going to hear more about her rescuer, Kabita, at the end of my message, another video story. But there is power of what Jesus Christ can do in your pain. And for many of us, we have pushed pain back. We've held it at bay. We've kept it at arm's length. And today, we're really going to kind of just open the floodgates, baby, and say, come on, let's embrace our pain. Let's look at our pain. Let's stare at it, square it down, and face it, and see if there's a way that God could actually meet us in this divine intersection and do something great with our pain. Now, pain comes in all shapes and forms and sizes, and some of it's emotional, some of it's familial, it's family pain of origin. Some of it's uh, spiritual pain. You've been hurt from churches or places. Some of it's relational pain. Then there's the reality of physical pain. I remember being up at, you guys, how many fellows have ever been to man up? Our men's thing. Guys, like, I got no rooting. I got no anything. Man up. But no, come on, fellas. There we go. And uh, so man, up, man up for me was more like man down last year, though. Uh, we were playing flag football, and we decided to tackle a little more because we're older and slower, and the guys we're playing against were younger and quicker, and we're like, well, maybe we could get our arms around, we'll throw them down, and I, I hit a divot, my, my foot stretched way up high, and I got bumped, and all of a sudden I heard this noise, and I went down, and I got back up, and I, I couldn't walk normal, and I looked over to the sidelines, and I thought, I thought you, I thought I liked, like, I'm looking at my buddy Ryan Colts, I thought like you guys like threw a football at the back of my calf, and, and I couldn't walk normal, and what had happened is my Achilles tendon, boom, that big loud noise that everybody heard, that was my Achilles tendon snapping, ripping right in half. I'm like, oh my gosh. I remember calling my wife, telling her, she's like, are you kidding? Are you joking? I'm like, no, this is not a, ba- this is not a joke. I remember the ER nurse there put her finger right behind my, uh, right there in my ankle, and she could push all the way to the bone. She said, it's, it's gone. I'm like, thanks for the good news. <laughs> and she goes, well, that's not even really the worst of the news. The worst of the news is you got several months recovery in front of you. Sure enough, man, I was on a scooter. I mean, you guys saw me. Somebody on the scooter came up here, almost flew off the stage a couple times. And I remember cruising around in this scooter. And I, one day I went to this, this gym I go to, Great Lakes Athletic Club. And, and I remember just feeling bad for myself because I, I had like a basket. I had the scooter and a basket. And I was putting all my supplies in it. And I'm like, dear heavens, I've become a senior citizen, you know? And I'm like, I'm cruising around. And no knocks against that if you're in senior citizen category. We love you. I feel like I'm just, punch me in the head, okay? I was having... One of these days, and, I, and I'm upset, and I almost wiped out outside of the gym and flipped over my scooter, and, and I dropped my kids off this daycare thing, and the girls in there, the daycare girls made fun of my scooter, and I'm like, come on! I was trying to smile, I'm like, oh yeah, really? You know, and I was upset, and I turned the corner in the gym, and I, I came to meet this man, and he was in a wheelchair. And you could tell I was frustrated because I was like trying to get the door open. Like, everything's different when you're in pain, right? Everything's different. Trying to get through the door, and, and he smiled, and he said, don't worry. He goes, you're not going to be in that for long you'll be able to get out of it. And I felt so horrible because I had realized what he was saying in the same statement. He, he wasn't going to get out of his chair. And he said, this perspective you get when you're lower level like that, when you're in a chair or you're down, it's a new perspective. It causes you to slow down and you're able to actually talk to people in more conversation. He said, make the best of it. And he wheeled by and I see him in the gym a lot still. And I realized in that moment that, oh my gosh, 
He found power in his pain. And I found myself even now at this place where there's sports guys and they get injuries and hurts and I, I deliberately talk to them because I can tell they're distressed and upset and I try to encourage them, say, don't worry, man, I had this happen and, you know, it goes on and on. And there's a reality that there's a power that can happen out of your pain and out of that pain and that power can come a platform, the ability to actually use what was painful in your life for a purpose, to help people. Isn't that crazy? Stop and think about it. And so today, we're just, as we talk and we go through this, I want to take you to a place. I want to take you to a place of a story of a guy named John that talked about Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus. There's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they capture the genealogy of Jesus, where he was born and what the town was like and the setting was like and the scene and the time of human history. And they do a fantastic job, and it's often where we get our stories of Christmas. But John takes a different perspective. He takes a different angle and a lens that he follows Jesus through. And he looks at Jesus, and he looks at him through this lens of saying, look at the people that Jesus interacted with. Look at the impact that Jesus made on their life. Watch what Jesus does when he intersects with people. And watch, most importantly, today, when Jesus enters into relationship and connection and interactions with people that have a lot of pain. They're carrying a lot of weight. They've had a lot of baggage. And when he intersects with them, the most amazing things happen. They have transformation. Their pain turns into a healing power. The power turns into this purpose in their life. And then they have a platform. These people are radically transforming their lives. This is opposite in our world. We don't say this in our world. We don't say, if you got pain, we say, keep it, cover it, hide it, you know? But Jesus is saying the opposite. And so as we journey through the story, the story really mirrors the Napoleon girl story. It's going to be part of the woman at the well story. But I'm really convinced of this. Listen, I'm really convinced it's part of your story and my story that each of us, every one of us, here's the truth that I know about you and I. There's an eternal value about you. You're incredible. I don't take for granted for one minute that when you walk through these doors, you're valuable to the kingdom of God. You're valuable to God. You're valuable to us. You have innate, intrinsic value of who you are. And if you've ever been told otherwise, it's a lie. You are valuable. You have eternal value. But here's what I know about us too. Not only do we have that in one hand and the other hand, we have pain. It is what bonds us. It's what makes us human. It's what makes us fallible. It's what makes us temperate. It's what makes us finite. So it makes us broken, right? We have pain. But in that pain today, we're going to see if we let Jesus step into that pain, he can transform it in a way that you could never imagine. He can do things with your pain that you never thought possible. He can actually make you powerful out of your pain. He can heal you from it. And he can give you a purpose to help other people that are in pain too. So let's step in and watch and see what happens. There's a woman at the well. It says this, Jesus is on a big walk and he makes a stop and here he goes. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot ground that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired out of his journey, was sitting by the well and it was about noon. Remember that fact. A Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me a woman of Samaria. Let me give you a little context going on here. Number one, it's noon. It's in the Middle East. Do you think it's cool outside? Nope, it's hot. It's extremely hot. Number two, Samaria was a place of what they would say inbreed or mixed ethnicity or kind of a, a, kind of a, a, a culture that's pushed outside, not accepted of Jewish culture or true Roman culture or anything else. It's, it's, it's different. And in this patriarchal society, this is a heavy chauvinistic society. Chauvinism of a level that you can't even imagine. 
Jesus is sitting there and he's asking for a drink of water. He's sitting down, he asks for a drink. And she's like, me? She's like, I'm a person of Samaria. You guys call me half-breeds and I'm a woman. And you're asking me? Jesus is like, yep. And it's interesting that it's the middle of the day because another incredible thing about this is that why is she going there at noon? Let's read on and find out why. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying this to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water from? She's really interested. Where is this living water from? I'm gonna explain why she's so interested in a minute. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty again coming there. I'm gonna leave the one part I have on the wall. It says, are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well with his sons and his flocks and drank? And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of that water I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will become in them, think about that, a spring of water gushing up to eternal life, and I'll say that statement again. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may never be thirsty to keep coming here for water again. She's in the middle of the day. It's noon. It's hot. Why is she there in the middle of the day? Because she has shame and guilt. So how do you know? Customary of that culture in that time would be to come in the morning with everybody else or come in the afternoon with everybody else when it was cool and there was cover by uh, just the, you know, it was just morning time. The heat was not its fullest or by dusk getting water, preparing for the next day's meals and baths and things of that nature. But she's there and she's covered up under the high noon's heat, man. Jesus knew that. She had shame and guilt. And so when she heard this concept of living water, something inside of it, it compelled her. Why? Because when you walk around with pain and with guilt and with shame and you come in here and like everything's okay and it's really not, but you came in here that way, Jesus gets that and he knew that about her too. The story goes on. Jesus says this to her because she's so interested about this living water. And Jesus says, well, if you're interested, he said, go call your husband and come back. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying this. I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not even your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Jesus spoke right in her pain. He says, I know why you're coming here at noon Because in that culture, in that time, she would have been an outcast and forgotten about. She would have been, her pain would have been like, it's one thing if your husband died or had a disease or lost his life in battle and he got remarried once, but this would be like twice and three times and four and five times. Now the sixth time, this guy won't even marry you and you're ashamed and you're full of guilt and here she is. And Jesus is saying, I can offer you living water. And then he confronts, he digs deeper with her. He says, go get your husband. He knows full well, he's Jesus, right? He knows full well what's going on. And she says, look, I don't even have a husband. She starts confessing and talking and opening up about all this. And she says, I see that you're a prophet. I don't know how it is you can see into my pain, but you saw it. You knew why I came here at noon. You understood what I'm going through. And this is a moment where just everything busts out. Have you ever had pain so heavy that where it just busts open, where you can barely walk in the room, man, you can't even walk in the room, barely catch your breath, and, and somebody says something and it triggers your pain? Somebody, a question comes up and you don't want to answer because you're afraid it'll expose your pain. There's people you don't want to go around because you're afraid they'll know your pain, right? And this is what's happening. And Jesus isn't blowing your life up or busting it up. He's trying because he loves her and cares about her. He's trying to engage and do something with his pain. And watch. They talk and they talk and she gets living water and she's excited. And then the disciples come back. Because remember, they were gone and Jesus stopped for water. And the disciples came back and they were astonished 
That is not a word to take lightly when you see it in Scripture. Astonished means blown away, caught off guard. I can't believe it. Are you kidding? Did you see that? Astonished. That he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you, they didn't even say that because they're blown away at what's happening. And then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. But before I move on, this is incredible. She leaves her water jar. When you're in the Middle East in this culture, thousands of years ago, this is a big deal. She's not just going to stop by a marathon and say, I need a Dasani, maybe two of them, right? That's not going to happen. I'm going to hit the 7-Eleven. That's not going to work out. This is her livelihood, her water, her source, but she has living water, remember? Something's radically changed in her life. Because many Samaritans from that city believed him because of the woman's testimony, this testimony that he told me everything I've done. Can you imagine running in and saying, hey, you're not going to believe it. I met this guy named Jesus, and he, he exposed everything, that I'm a fraud, that I cheat on my taxes, I'm cheating on my wife, I'm, I, I swear, I'm dropping F-bombs, I'm whatever, right? You would never think about doing that. Can you imagine but that's what happened. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked to stay with him, and he stayed there for two days, and many more believed of this word. Then they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you had said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Wow. I stop and I consider this story for a moment. Her pain was so great, she was hiding and covering and in disguise, it's unbelievable to stop and think about this. And Jesus intersects in his life, and he crosses this line of ethnic boundaries and of socioeconomic standards, and he, he crosses this patriarchal goofiness, chauvinism things, and he steps right in her life, and he confronts her in a loving way, and she exposes her pain, and he steps and gives her healing water, living water, and heals her. And then he takes that pain, and he, by his power, right, of Jesus, what we believe around here, that he transforms her pain to something great, into a purpose. And our purpose becomes her platform, and she goes to others, because she's not alone. I'm not alone in this room. I got pain, and you got pain. We've all got pain, right? I feel like I just pulled a rocky where I got gaps, you got gaps. Together, we got no gaps. Nobody's laughing. I thought it was funny. I said it, but it was like, it's that. She knew there was common ground there in that moment. So what's going on. Dave Gibbons says this. He's somebody that wrote Small Crowd Rising and part of where we got the series from. He says, as we emphasize the resurrection power of Jesus, that's that power we see in this story. It's the power we see in Nepal. It's the power you hear about when you see a marriage that's reconciled. It's the power that you hear about when a young man or young woman that's being bullied in school finds Jesus and they find a confidence that can only come from within. It's that kind of power. It says when we emphasize that resurrection power of Jesus, we cannot forget the cross. There is no shortcut. Death precedes resurrection. In other words, it says the path of life is open to those who will walk the path of sacrifice and suffering first. Oh my gosh. Dave opens up something that Jesus is trying to show us, something that we saw in the Paul video, something that we've got to get today. I'm telling you, this is a truth that you can't let blow by, you can't miss. That the pathway to your purpose, the pathway to your peace, right, the pathway that unlocks your God-given potential that's inside of you, it begins with your pain. Isn't that crazy and counterintuitive to stop and think about? It begins with your pain. And I want to take you through this thing that Dave says that if we can start together, that we can start through our pain, 
together. I want us to do this as a community today. I really want you to be thinking of saying, why would you want me to think about this around Christmas time and all this stuff? But I want you to be thinking about your pain today a little bit, because I think your pain is a pathway to purpose. I think your pain is a pathway to peace and power. I think that's really what your pain could be for each day. I want you to be thinking about this stuff, and I want to take you through the stages of transformation. Here's what's interesting about this. This thing is something psychologists use, psychotherapists use, all sorts of people use this all the time, and it's something that actually Jesus introduced a long time ago. He really did. And so as we walk through this, we're going to parallel this lady's story at the well. We're going to parallel our story too, okay? That's where I want you to go today with me. Number one, covering. This is the first thing we do. When we have pain, we cover. We step into denial. You do it all the time. We did it when we came here today. I might have asked some of you, because I asked a lot of you, how was your day? And you said, great. You know what's true about this? You know what I know? Because we got kids coming everywhere. We got like a baby-making factory. I don't know what's in the water around here, what's going on. But there are babies everywhere. You ever notice that? Man, it's like, holy cow. It's like, quit making out. So I'm just kidding. But anyhow, <laughs> there are babies and babies and babies all over the place. I love my wife always looks at me. She's like, Jeremiah. But you walked in, I've seen somebody try to get out of your car, and you get the stroller out, and you get everything going, you get rolling, and you're fighting, and you, but you walk in the door, you're like, hey, hey, you're like, they're not high fives, it's all good. It ain't all good, you're stressed, you're upset, right? Some of you have walked in here, honestly, and you're sitting in a room right now, you may be shoulder to shoulder with somebody, and you're lonely. You're lonely when you go to bed at night, you're lonely when you're driving in your car, you're lonely. You have a pain. Some of you have relational discord and you're hoping to figure it out. Some of you are just in denial. You're pretending. You're just going through the motions in your marriage. You're going through the motions in your relationships with your, uh, your family and you're acting like it's okay. And you've almost, you fooled yourself. You're living a false narrative. You're living a lie. And you know it, right? God knows it. And it's not like something to feel condemned about, but it's condemning you. It's hurting you. It's pressing in you and you're covering. And you're putting like a blanket over this whole thing called pain, right? And we're putting this blanket over. We're assuming it'll go away. It doesn't. It's like giving antacids to the worst uh, acid reflux in the world. It doesn't work. And even Prilosec doesn't touch it. You know what I mean? It's like you got to change something from the inside out for it to go away. And we're in denial of it. We're just covering. And the, the sad part is some of us have been covering for a long time. Some of us have been covering for years and decades. And we just think this is how it is. That's the deal. No, it's not the deal. Jesus is saying to the one of the well, you've been coming at noon in the middle of the day and you were never called to do that. You weren't called to be in shame. You weren't called to be in guilt. You weren't called to live that way. You were called to walk with your head high, to be prideful, no, but to be thankful that you have a life that could be forgiven and healed by Jesus Christ. You weren't meant to cover. This next part that Jesus walks us through is confession, right? He asks the woman, he says, hey, go grab your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. This is what's going on. He's not condemning her. He's getting her to confess. He's getting her to open up. You and I are carrying weight around that is so heavy that you, I mean, you, you know it and I know it. You can barely walk in this room. You can barely make it through the day sometimes. It is a weight that hurts and you've tried to push it away and push it back. You've tried to cover it, but confessing it seems like the hardest thing to do. And sometimes in our culture, it seems like the wrong thing to do. And Jesus is saying, this is the right thing to do. The human soul was not designed to carry that kind of guilt, to carry that kind of shame. The human soul can't do it. It can't carry it. It's not possible. I remember for Marie and I, we'd sat with Martin Kelly. really the first couple of weeks we had met him. We sat across, they had this cool farm table, 
you know, they're like, far- we call them farmers. Like, they've become like the local farmers around here, man. We, they're into farming and all this kind of stuff, and they've, they've got this big table. And I remember sitting across, and they're asking how things were, and we just came from a really busy season. Have you ever noticed when you're in a really busy season? By the way, busy seasons in our culture seem to never even end, right? And we're super busy, and the busier we got, the more distance we grew, and, and we had some problems and hurts. And I remember just confessing, and we just told Callie and Mark, this is going on, and our marriage is struggling, and this is happening, and it was so difficult and this is something we, we honestly, we champion around here. We don't believe that we can fix things or operate things or invite God to heal if we're not authentic. You wonder why we're constantly telling actual real stories, like not make-believe ones, but real truth from up here? Because it's authentic, it's real. And we want to build a community that's real and honest, don't you agree? Like, wouldn't that be an incredible thing to do, right, for us to do that? And then confessing, it was like this great pressure release I felt, oh my gosh, What is it about that? Because God designed the soul that way. He knew when he looked at that amazing woman, he thought, how many more trips can you make at noon? How much more can you cover? How much more can you carry? How much more can you conceal? You can't do it anymore. And you and I are in the same boat. We can't do it. We weren't designed to do it. It'll destroy us from the inside out. It creates stress. Have you ever researched a little bit what stress does to the human body? It destroys it. Why? Because we weren't designed to live with that level of stress and concealment. Jesus is saying, just confess. And it gives you instantaneous forgiveness, which is beautiful. But here's the other part. It opens up the next step of embracing. It invites you to embrace your pain, to really get in the nitty-gritty of it, to really get in the middle of it. And here's why this stage is so important, stage number three. Stage number three allows us to embrace our pain. There's really two groups. Number one, it allows us to take responsibility if we've done something wrong. If we've hurt people, we've offended, it takes responsibility for our own actions. Sometimes the pain that we have, you ever hear anybody and they're talking about this happened and that happened? Have you ever wanted to look at them and be like, dude, you did that to yourself. You're your own worst enemy. What's go- How many in here are your own worst enemy? You don't have to raise your hands. I will for us, right? Most of us, most of the time. And for others, it allows us to take an inventory of reality. When we embrace our pain, an inventory of reality not responsibility, but reality of what's happened to us. People have wronged us. People have hurt us. People have caused us to carry guilt and shame that we never were meant to carry. They didn't belong to us, but somebody put us through something rough. And as we embrace and we get in the middle of this, here's what happens. We discover in one moment how flawed we are. Flawed by our own actions. Flawed by the actions of others in our life. And at the same breath, I think just like the woman did, and the Napoleon girl, we realize how deeply loved we are. In our weakest moment, we feel and experience the beauty and the power of the grace of Jesus Christ. His love is like a warm blanket. As we expose ourselves and we confess and we open up and we're honest, healing begins to take place. And Jesus is pressing closer. See, he and the lady, they talked more. He said, let's talk about this. Let's talk about your pattern. Let's talk about this. Let's work through this. This is why we love Celebrate Recovery. In fact, my good friend Jay Steinman's over here and We've been working together. He's been working diligently and hard. And you've had such beautiful progress in your own personal life. And many of those that are around you from Celebrate Recovery and say, well, I've been part of it. Jay was my step-study leader, one of them. And we say, well, did you have a substance abuse problem? Were you an addict? No. And sometimes it's only 20, 30% of the people. I was with the other 70%, by the way, that are sitting here that was codependent and hurts, had hangups, had habits that we walked through. And I think embracing our pain and walking through that together was in that moment that I realized how flawed I was and loved at the same time. And healing took place and my open wounds became scars. You know what's crazy about wounds? You can't touch them. Have you ever had a cut or something and someone's like, oh, let me see. And you're like, go ahead, 
poke at that, I'm going to punch you in the nose. You know, it like hurt. But a scar, a scar you can push on, you can hit and feel. That's why we're working so hard with Clarkson Community Church and some other churches. We're going to be able, we're hoping March or April to open up Celebrate Recovery here in Clarkson. Isn't that cool? With a bunch of other churches? Isn't that awesome? You know why? Because we have pain in our life and we've been ashamed of it and hiding it. Jesus is like, bring it out in the open and deal with it. It's okay. And as we embrace that pain, it begins this healing process. Here's the other beautiful part. It becomes a guide. Number four, your, your pain becomes a guide in your life. Say, what do you mean? It's funny when you get a scar, you look at it, like I think about the scar, you see it all the time here, the back of my leg from my Achilles, and it's a guide. It's it caused me to actually want to reach out and connect with people that are in sports, that have had injuries, to encourage them. It gives me an excuse and a reason to connect with them. And really, people that may not know Jesus are far from God or whatever, and they're discouraged about this, and I have a right to speak in their life because I've had the same pain they did. Do you see? A guide, it's a beautiful thing. I stop and think about this that, it's pretty amazing. I asked my wife if I could share this. She's been on this powerful journey. It's been going on for a couple decades where she's been really struggling with her relationship with food and food addiction and different things like that. And she's wanted to sing of this weight loss in her life. And she's been pursuing it and failed and pursuing it and failed. It's been a pain that she's held inside for a while. It really has. It's been a pain that nobody's known about. It's one that she's covered, not confessed. And she finally is flipping it on its head. She's following the pattern of Jesus. She's been confessing it, and she does it through Instagram all the time. I see her all the time, like, she's losing her mind, and she's talking to you. She's like, hi, everybody, it's Maria. I'm cooking vegetables, and I'm doing this, and she's showing people she's cooking and showing her workouts and all this kind of stuff, and it's amazing, and she's been finding power through the confession, and she's been embracing her pain. She's like, ah, the pain's not going to get the best of me. It's going to give me a purpose. It's become a guide in her life that Jesus Christ is using it. They have all these other ladies calling her and texting her and emailing her and asking, how are you doing that? How is that working? How are you so bold? How does this work, right? And it's crazy. You know what's crazy is you're down, you're, she's hit a, a big, huge goal. You're at the 50-pound marker, baby. It's unbelievable. It's already on Instagram. Listen, she always says, don't say anything in church. And I'm like, dude, it's all over social media. You know, it's like, we all know, cat's out of the bag, you know. It's, but it's amazing. I'm like celebrating it because it's become a guide in her life. The lady at the well ran back and said, guess what? I met this guy named Jesus. And he told me my, all about my pain and my hurt, but he transformed it. He didn't leave me hanging. He's given me power to overcome it. He's given me purpose in it and a platform to tell others that are in pain about this power and saving grace of Jesus Christ too. This is what's unbelievable. In stage five, it becomes a gift. See, what do you mean? It becomes a gift. Apostle Paul has an incredible statement. Is this, and I want to tell you about it in this verse. It says, I asked the Lord three times about this. He's talking about a thorn in his flesh, a pain, something that he had, that it would depart from me. But he said to me, my grace is enough for you, for my power in your pain is made perfect in weakness. So then, Paul says, I will boast gladly about my weakness so that the power of Christ may reside in me. Therefore, I am content with weakness, with insults, with troubles, with persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, say this with me, then I am strrong. This is the countercultural, counterintuitive beauty of the gospel. It takes things that we've been covering and concealing, and it says confess them and open them up. In fact, just don't confess them, embrace them. And when you embrace them, you begin to see this healing process take place. And then it becomes a guide in your life, and it says, wow, my pain has power. My pain has purpose. My pain has a platform to share, whether it be on Instagram or from here or one-on-one or a coffee or somebody you meet at work, that you can rescue people that have pain too in their life. 
It becomes a gift, Paul says, and in my weakness I boast because it's actually my strength. I love that. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Listen to these quotes. St. Augustine writes, in my deepest wound I see your glory and it dazzles me. Dave Gibbons goes on to say these right here. Our pain becomes the scars for people to see the healing power of our great God. Our pain becomes our badge of credibility. Our pain gifts us with authority. Our pain is our connection to humanity. And our pain points us toward our destiny. Many of us have been sealing and holding in and putting back this pain. And God's saying, just like he did the one of the well, open it up. Because in it, I'm going to give you healing so you don't have to carry it anymore. Inside of it, I'm going to do something beautiful and show you your destiny and your purpose. Jesus can do this. I love this part because we're getting ready to show you another story of a girl named Kabita in Nepal. Before we do, I just want to show you, many of you have been handed these, and some of you, you may be new here. And by the way, we have a gift for you if you're new in the back. We'd love to meet you and tell you more about what we do. But see, it's not just about the people that are in Nepal. It's the people that are here, too, that we invest in, that we give to, that we give our generosity to, our time, our, our treasure, our talent. I open up, I have this thing, babe, that's you. Actually, that's my wife and my mother-in-law. They're just smashers, dude. I love that we invest in women around here, don't you, by the way? Because women, you're powerful. You're amazing. You're great leaders. You're smarter than us dudes all day long, I'm telling you. Then we invest in the dreams of women around here. I love this, too, that you turn the page a couple pages right here, that we invest in young adults. I love this, too, that you keep turning here. What else do we invest in? What if this, I love this in the children's ministry, a K-Kids ministry, what if every family was developing a written legacy plan for how their family and life would leave a mark in this world? And in the middle of it, often, becomes this barrier of our dreams, this barrier to our purpose called pain. And today we're making a stand and we're saying, look, our pain is actually the pathway to our purpose. Our pain is the pathway to our platform to bless others and care for others in this world that's already hurt and full of this pain instead of ignoring it, embracing it. And so when you get this, I want you to know as you look through this, you can take your time because many people do hearing gifts around here and stuff, but we want you to know we believe deeply in what we're doing. I mean, for Marie and I, I know for Mark Kelly and many of the staff here, we're banking our life on it. This is honest and this is true, that what we're giving our life to matters deeply, not just for the time now, but for the time after to come, in present and eternity. We believe that. And this next part of the story that you hear of Kabita, you watch just that, that Jesus powerfully turns her pain into her platform. And as you see this, I want you to parallel it with your life. What is your pain that you're holding on to? That Jesus Christ wants to do a great work in your life and use it maybe as your platform to help others the way that he does for Kabita.